This is Talk of the Sound. I'm your host, Robert Cox. Today is March 9th, 2020. In this episode of our podcast, I'll talk with Bob Marone of Radio Westchester about the latest in the Apex credit recovery scandal, the grudging release of a heavily redacted report that paints a damning picture of the once great New Rochelle High School, now turned into a diploma mill, graduating hundreds of students based on fake classes and phony grades. So let's get into it. What is the latest with the apex issue in our schools here in New Rochelle? Well, to set the stage, uh, folks may recall that uh, 2018 and on May 7th, uh, we broke a story about problems with a software program called Apex Learning and the abuse of that system by one particular individual, Shadi Alvarez, who mm-hmm. was the Apex coordinator for Apex Learning. That is a credit recovery program, mm-hmm. uh, also an online learning tool. But uh, the primary use of it is is that if a student uh, fails a course, they can still earn credit by going through that course mm-hmm. through Apex. So if you fail American history, you can take an American history module through okay. Apex. Now through Apex. So is is it an online learning tool with programmed instruction, or does a teacher get on the other end? How does it work? Well, there is uh, online course material. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, you know, managed through a teacher. Um, most of the work, um, it, well, the work most of the work is online, but doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, and then the assessment. In other words, the quizzes and mm-hmm. the tests, uh, they are online. So uh, examples of offline work you might do would be there's a phys ed class, mm-hmm. and obviously you're not going to jump around. I'm trying to figure out how I would do phys ed online. Robert. Right, so you don't do that. And then also there's things like art classes where you draw stuff, and then they're evaluated and the scores are recorded. But the vast majority of it is self-contained modules within the online, which mm-hmm. is then assessed because you go in and, and answer some questions, and then um, once you've uh, done the assessment, let's say that it's a class in American history and there's mm-hmm. uh, eight parts, you get to part one, you take the test on that section, if the teacher says you passed, the teacher can then unlock the second section, and you can then proceed through the second, mm-hmm. the third, the fourth, as you demonstrate mastery. Yes. Okay. Um, but question, because a lot of people are probably wondering this, how do I know? Okay, now people can see, and they saw your son on the radio the other day. He may be doing some stuff for us soon. How do I know if he was taking an Apex course that you, with your life experience and degrees from the University of Chicago and Notre Dame, how do I know you're not doing it for him? Well, the way that the assessments uh, are done is they're done in a controlled environment, uh, like at a testing center. Oh, I see. So he's not at home, or she's not at home doing this. Well, you're jumping ahead. Okay, well, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, well that, but that's why I asked the question. You're asking we, two different questions. Well, you'll how, get to it. You'll get how, to it. How is the system set up to be used? What are the procedures and protocols? And what ended up actually happening? Mm-hmm. So um, after my story on May 7th, um, I was approached about another story related to that, which had to do with a bunch of material that uh, had been obtained that showed that a student apparently had, several students hadn't done very good work and gotten full credit anyway. And then I had a third story that uh, art department teachers complained that a kid um, got a credit through Apex, even though the teacher was assigned to it was not uh, certified as an art teacher. 
So those are the three things that happened. Mm -hmm. um, the reaction to that was, we're going to do an investigation, and uh, they uh, will release all of it, be fully unredacted. And uh, ultimately, by the end of 2018, uh, the board released uh, the unredacted report. Um, I had actually obtained a copy of it mm -hmm. in advance, and yes. I released it basically forcing their hand to release it. I released it the day before. Um, but also I had foiled for all of the invoices from the company that did it, which were also very instructive because that showed each day who they had interviewed and where they had gone and, and other work that the, the <coughs> investigator had done. Um, so uh, at least they were transparent. Mm -hmm. Okay. The actual investigation was a bit of a, a whitewash. Rather than do who conducted it, a company called T and M Prote Protection Resources, uh, which was hired um, by Bond Shonick and King, which is the law firm the district had at the time that they had for for decades. Uh, it's a long story, but with Jeff okay. Kale, okay. uh, Sarah Richmond, former board president, um, uh, but the board, you know, in theory, hired their law firm to then hire T and M. But, in fact, they didn't really do all the paperwork correctly, so it ended up that basically the district hired TNM. But mm -hmm. that allowed me to get access to some, some of the records. And um, anyway, it was a whitewash um, because the program had been for going on for four years, mm -hmm. and there had been seven APEX coordinators during those seven years. And uh, to in order to get classes approved, you needed the principal, the guidance counselor mm -hmm. for every house. Mm -hmm. House teachers, house principals had to be involved. So... The idea that, that they, they looked at one person for 10 months um, rather than seven people for four years was, was the whitewash. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it came out that uh, they found that there was 212 uh, what they call overrides where they just pop in a grade mm -hmm. into the computer system. An administrator does that. Um, and, but they couldn't really determine <coughs> much else. Um, in terms of the other complaints. So the only charges that were actually sustained in the investigation were the ones I had made originally mm -hmm. about the different forms of abuse, like, for example, kids were able to take the tests in insecure environments. The systems were not locked properly, so people could advance through the system. Um, there was a whole bunch. Teachers were not um, actually teaching the classes. Um, basically, it was not being done the way the protocol described as originally a setup. So the number that came out of that was the 212, okay? And a lot of people were shocked by that number, right? That there 212 times somebody had gone into the system <coughs> and deliberately mm -hmm. changed students' grades or given grades to students for material they had never been assessed on. In some cases, that um, the kid appeared not to even have taken the course, okay? So this was all about pushing some kids through the system, uh, giving them a diploma, increasing the graduation rate to make the superintendent and the high school principal and everybody else involved, the board, to look good, to say, hey, we're mm -hmm. improving the graduation rate, which was a stated goal of, of the administration. Now, just back up just one second. Hold on. This 212, <laughs> no, bear with me, uh, uh, just, just, just for my sake, my tiny brain. 212, were these all seniors? It doesn't, it didn't, doesn't, it didn't, it didn't break specify. it down. Okay. It didn't break it down. But, but, but it facilitated moving them along, for sure. Well, you need 22 credi credits to graduate from high school. Okay. So let's assume that kids weren't doing this extra work mm -hmm. to get their 25th credit. Gotcha. Okay, they were getting it because they needed a credit or two to 
to actually get over the hump and be able to graduate. So all we do know is, well, we don't know it from the original report. We now have more information. So again, jumping ahead a little no, bit. Go ahead. That's okay. Um, so in any case, um, there's this report. It's very problematic. And at the time, I wrote an article because they, they scapegoated Shadi Alvarez. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a woman we should never have hired. Okay, she came, to us, she came to us from New York City. She had as bad a track record as you can have. Okay, she'd been written up in the New York Post. They found that she had been, uh, there was two uh, separate investigations in New York City schools that found in one case there was $100,000 worth of credit card expenses that she had made that were unexplained. Another case where she was found to have been falsifying timesheets to mm -hmm. show that she was working at times that school was closed, but all about maybe, you know, alleged uh, to basically sustain charges, and that's the term they use uh, in New York City schools. All these charges were sustained. In addition, there was an outside audit that was unrelated to this by an accounting firm. Mm -hmm. They also found irregularities. So this is a person we should have never hired, but we did, okay, because she was connected to the then principal, mm -hmm. uh, Reggie Richardson, and he brought her in. Um, and she was the one who ultimately was put in charge of Apex over the last uh, two years of the program. And this is where most of the, the damage was done. Mm -hmm. Not all, but most. And um, so the report came out and basically laid it all at her feet, and she was fired. And there was a whole big public hoopla at the time. And I wrote an article, and I said, why Shadi Alvarez? Because the idea that little Shadi Alvarez sat down one day and came up with this big conspiracy to do all this work, to falsify graduation rates and to change things, and that nobody else knew about it is absurd because there's all sorts of sign-offs. And the idea that somebody like her would come up with this whole plan to do this, she was a house principal, okay? So you have all these people above her. You have a principal. You have a chief academic officer in the cabinet. You have the superintendent. You have the board. What is a house principal? I've heard that term many times. Well, the high school is divided up into four sections of roughly 700 kids. Mm -hmm. And so to make the school feel a little smaller, they break them up into those four like groups. Like vice principals almost? They're not, there is an assistant principal at the high school. No, it's below that. I would okay. say that primarily they get involved with discipline issues and things like that. Um, the, the, the use of the word house principal is misleading. It's yeah, it not like a real... Is it like a dean in college or even less than that? A dean at college runs a whole college. No, but, did, <laughs> no, but, but, but some... But no, there's a, a position that reports to the dean. No, it's yeah. a step above a teacher. Okay. Okay, it's not anything grand. Okay. Um, but in any case, um, so she got scapegoated. She got fired. Now... When, when the report was released in mm -hmm. December 2018, the public was told specifically, this investigation is over. This is the full and complete report, and we're giving it to you completely unredacted. Mm -hmm. Within a matter of weeks, they had reopened the investigation, but this time they kept it secret. Okay, hold that thought. I want to remind people. That voice you hear is that of Bob Cox. He's the managing editor and the publisher of Talk of the Sound, considered the source since 2008. Long reporting on the New Rochelle School District, the schools, the high schools, etc. We're talking about the results of his work uncovering uh, the facts about the apex issue. Continue, please. So uh, they secretly moved the investigation forward. Uh, I only know this because I made additional FOIL requests where I obtained hundreds and hundreds of emails from the state of New York, mm -hmm. uh, which was conducting its own investigation. Uh, that's the Office of Professional Responsibilities mm -hmm. and, and within the New York State Department of Education. 
coordinated through Southern Westchester BOCES, so I got all of the records between the district, BOCES, and the state. And from that, I learned, and this was back in the fall mm -hmm. of 2019. So for, from January to September, dead silence. Never disclosed that anything was happening with Apex. Mm -hmm. Uh, the reason it came up is I went to the board president in September and I said, okay, well, you're the new president, so I want to ask you what's happening with the state investigation. You said in December you turned everything over to the state. Mm -hmm. What's happening with that? We haven't heard a word about it. Her answer was, I don't know anything about a state investigation. I do know that we're, we reopened the Apex investigation and we're expecting a report. So my answer was twofold. One, what do you mean you don't know about the state investigation? You were sitting there when the referral was made to the state. Mm -hmm. And second is, what do you mean they reopened the Apex investigation? At that point, she went radio silent. She would, I, I saw her many times, but she would not talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I called her on December 4th, the one-year anniversary of the original mm -hmm. release of the report. And at that point, she said, we just got it today. And I said, well, you're going to release it. And she said, no, um, I want, we want, the, uh, I want the, the board to review it in executive session in two weeks, and then uh, we'll make a decision as a board. Now, that completely contradicts what she had done just the year before. Mm -hmm. She had been at a public meeting in October when Apex was front burner, and she announced to the board at a public meeting, uh, the board may not be aware, but you know, we, meaning her and Jeffrey Hasty, the then president, she was vice president, rec have received, had just received the Apex report. This was uh, around October 19th, 2018. Mm -hmm. And we're going to release it fully unredacted to the public as soon as we can, probably within two weeks. That didn't happen. It, it was more like three months. Um, and then I released it. But she didn't say anything about consulting the board, having an executive session review, she announced that she and Jeffrey had decided to release it, right, as they had said, fully mm -hmm. unredacted as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Now she's saying something completely different. Now we have to go through the executive session of the board, and they're going to review it, and the whole board's going to decide. Well, that was December 4th. Month after month after month, I'm not getting anything, and I'm going into them over and over again saying, where is it? I get two different answers. One is... It's a public record, but um, we had to have it redacted, so it's taking a while to redact redacted it. Redacted for what purpose? Why do they redact anything, Bob? Well, there's to hide the truth, and then there's well, to I mean supposedly the for personnel issues. Okay. It's not the way it works, okay? I mean well, that's what I want you to tell us how it works. Well, the government can redact under certain conditions. They can black out information right. for a variety of reasons. There's a whole bunch of exceptions. I'm not going to list them all here, but there's a bunch that are, they're legally entitled to do. Okay. That's not the point. The point is, on the one hand, they said, it's a public record, but we have to redact it. I asked Dr. Feha about it directly at a board meeting in Jan early January, and her response by the end of January was, um, it's not a public record yet, because the board has not finished reviewing the document in executive session. That's absurd. I also went to the New York State Committee on Open Government back for backup on this, and they confirmed it and sent me some past cases. Um, the government body is free to review any document in executive session until the cows come home. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make the document more or less a public record. It was a public record the day it was received. Mm -hmm. It was a final report, okay? 
paid for by the district, and the public has a right to have it. Although, as you've stated, they, they have a right to redact. Well, again, you're sort of conflating things, and I can see in your mind that you're conflating things, but I'm just trying to explain to you that the important point here is that the superintendent is saying it's not a public record. Right. And the administrator in charge of records is saying it is a public record. Okay. Now, it is a public record. So they were basically lying for months about trying to claim that it wasn't a public record because the executive, uh, uh, the board was reviewing the executive session. Okay. That has I nothing to that. do with it. They were just simply stonewalling, is right. my point. Okay? Go ahead. Now, ultimately, they could redact the entire thing, and that's why I think you're conflating things. Okay. They could redact the entire document. If you, if you, if you go look for certain people's FBI files, you'll just get a bunch of black pages. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what happens. So um, it can't be both. Okay. Um, I then filed an appeal. Uh, which you can do to the head of agency, which is the superintendent, for what they call constructive denial of my request. In other words, you're not giving me the document mm -hmm. and I'm entitled to it, and so not giving it to me is in effect denying it to me. And I was entitled to a response within 10 days. I didn't get it. So I went to the board meeting last week, complained about it mm -hmm. uh, publicly, and the next day I got two documents. Uh, basically, they call Apex 1 and Apex 2, which is not to be confused with Apex 2018, the original report. Mm -hmm. This was done by a woman named Regina Caffarella, who is an attorney for uh, Douglas A. Spencer Law Firm, a law firm out in Long Island. Mm -hmm. So the redocument I got there, um, the two, about 90% redacted. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I've already, I've already done an analysis that indicates that they improperly redacted sections of this document, which I'll have to file an appeal for, but I'll, I'll explain that in a, in a future article, and we can talk about that some other time. Um, I also got, a few weeks ago, the invoices from Douglas A. Spencer Law Firm so I could see who they were interviewing and what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Those were completely blacked out. No information. Just, just all you got was the, the date, the amount of hours worked, and the, the amount charged, but nothing about what they were actually doing. Now, that contradicts every other invoice for law firms I've ever gotten from the district. So I have an appeal for that coming, too, because on past practice, like when I went for the T&M invoices, it said everything. Every page was unredacted. There was one word, one name that was redacted. It was the name of a parent, which they're perfectly free to redact. Mm -hmm. But 99% of it was unredacted. I also filed for the law firm, uh, uh, Bonchonik and King's invoices, got all that unredacted. Okay, but now all of a sudden, and they have a new law firm, they're redacting almost everything. So that's troubling in and of itself. What's more troubling is when I finally did get the report, it's got a cover sheet. And the date on it wasn't December 4th. It was October 3rd. So in fact, they had had the report for two months when the board president was not responding to me as to where is it. And what she said on December 4th wasn't true. They didn't just get it that day. They had already had it for two months, which means that they've had this document for five months. Mm -hmm. And they just released it the other day, and they released it 90% uh, redacted. See, the problem that I have as, as a layman at these kinds of things is, what's the point of releasing a document that's 90% redacted when you've claimed to be uh, transparent? And, I, and, and, and it befuddles me. Now, have you at, at any point in time uh, seen the unredacted copy? No, but I will tell you this, I probably will at some point, mm -hmm. not from them, mm -hmm. uh, and God help them, 
if it turns out that there's a number of, un, uh, of redacted sections that were unwarranted and legally unjustifiable because I will go after them on that too. Because as you noted earlier, you know what the, the rules that require what can be redacted are knowable. And they're well, I'm going to go back to something that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, the board president at the time, Jeffrey Hasty, we I actually got a copy because I was on the committee at the time, but there was a security assessment done by a company in 2018 called Guidepost Solutions. Uh, Mr. Hasty, because he's an idiot, uh, managed to upload an unredacted copy to Facebook, which uh, a reporter from the Journal News obtained. Uh, they then, she, she held on to it, and then she uh, waited for the redacted report to come out, and then she ran a story comparing the two and found massive inconsistencies mm -hmm. um she confronted the board about it and you know uh, a couple weeks later uh jeffrey hasty then board president made a told the journal news uh we went through it line by line meaning himself and mm -hmm. i believe amy moselli who was vice president now president we went through it line by line and we concurred there were sections that should not have been redacted so we will be releasing a less redacted version of the report mm -hmm. but they never did I asked for it as recently three months ago. Still don't have it. This has been a year and a half with this. Do you know what puzzles me? Once again, my guest, Bob Cox, the managing editor and publisher of Talk of the Sound, considered the source since 2008. We're talking about the, the Apex report, which now released 90% uh, redacted, uh, according to our guest. What troubles me is just the logic of, we have a new administration. We have a new superintendent. It would be customary, it seems to me, to throw a previous administration under the bus. Why hide whatever's in there now? Well, I can't answer that question because I got the report Wednesday. They knew they were giving it to me. Um, I asked the board president twice now for comment. I went to their PR guy, Ken Valenti, mm -hmm. who you know, asked him to get a comment for me. I went directly to the superintendent, which mm -hmm. is usually my least preferred option because I don't want to bother her. Um, dead silence now they knew i was getting the report and they knew what was in the report uh so let's go to that so what what was the 10 percent right that we could see well what we get out of that the headline is that there was 281 students who got fake diplomas that's what that report says 281 yeah 281 over what kids. period of time well from the entire run of the program 2014 to 2000 uh, 18 started in August of 2014 but um, the program was actually very small mm -hmm. in the first two years mm -hmm. so uh, in the first two years there may have been three dozen students uh, who actually were using the apex course for credit recovery uh, that's when it uh, was under the guy un under uh, the auspices of the woman who created it which is Diane Massimo who I know and is assistant superintendent at the time in charge of curriculum in charge of the high school um, they took that program away from her um, and it went to uh, Dr. Magda Parvey who was the chief academic officer assistant superintendent who ultimately became interim mm -hmm. uh, superintendent Brian Osborne and Reggie Richardson and uh, Shadi Alvarez then you see a massive increase so not you know like 10 students 20 students like 675 students the next year just massive increase um so you then also see uh m far more overrides okay 
you also see that in, in this report, okay, unlike the last report, and I should, I should back up and say, the original report says that the investigators never got the Apex data. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, because when the investigation started around Memorial Day weekend 2018, uh, at, the, at the same time the journal news story was coming out, there's a communication where the high school staff is discussing that they are going to now terminate Apex. And by the end of June, they had actually terminated it. So that when the investigators went in to go into the system, they couldn't get access because mm-hmm. New Rochelle no we longer had down. an account. Right. So they didn't bother to persist and demand the data uh, from Apex or were not given the time to do that. They just didn't do it. A TNM also put on an invoice that they interviewed the registrar of who I interviewed, Barbara Haster. She's now retired. And uh, that they uh, billed the district for that. She told me that they never interviewed her they only called her to find out if they could get access to the registrar records, which is the transcripts where everything goes to get mm-hmm. on the diploma, but they never came by. They never obtained the records. So they didn't get any of the registrar information. They didn't get any information from Apex, which raises a question, what were you investigating? You couldn't be investigating anything. Now, to her credit, and I actually wrote Regina Caffarella unsolicited email mm-hmm. saying, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, for being so diligent. This seems, based on the 10% I can see, that you were very persistent in pursuing this information. Um, and there's a whole section in there, which I didn't get into in my article, but you can read it in the report because I mm-hmm. did post the reports. Mm-hmm. And people can see how heavily redacted they are. They're, they're in the article, um, which is on Talk of the Sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, there's a running battle that she has trying to get uh, information from Apex. It's similar to what the state investigators went through. They had a running battle to mm-hmm. get the information from Apex. But in her case, she actually triple-checked the data she was getting, and she found out that the data she was originally sent was wrong and had a lot of errors and missing pieces. She went back to them. They said, oh, yeah, you know, that's because of reason X. Uh, we'll work on that, and we'll get you the corrected data. Mm-hmm. They'd send her no more data. She'd go back to them. Still not correct. You can still see this problem, that problem. Okay, yeah, we're going to fix that. You know, we're going to escalate it. You know, you you send her more data. That's wrong, too. All through her investigation, she's trying to get full sets of data. She cannot get it. So that when the investigation ends, okay, her last words in the report are, still don't have the information from Apex that I need. Still don't have high confidence in the accuracy of the information. But what she was getting was things like... um, when a course was opened and closed, like when a student started and finished a class, mm-hmm. and then how much time they spent on the class. So these classes are designed to be like a equivalent of a semester, so they should have many, many hours of work. Mm-hmm. Um, there was 54 cases where time spent on the class was zero. 15 of those were zero, and the opening and closing date of the class was the same day. So somebody, an adult, went into the system, created a course for a particular student, gave him credit for the course, closed it out, and left. Kid never took the class. Any kid who got those credits shouldn't have graduated. Nope. Okay? It gets worse than that, though, because (coughs) we looked at the overrides with Shadi Alvarez, and there was 212. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So um, yeah, I got that number here. Well, <coughs> I have it too. I wrote the article, but I don't remember. Off the no, you I want to be accurate. Well, you said it was two twelve. I got it from earlier. This report says it was nine eighty two. Whoa! So that's a five hundred percent increase of what was originally reported. Nine hundred eighty two grade changes. Most of those grade changes are actually just entering grades where there was nothing there. Uh, as a result, Bob, that's an incredible number. We need to just just stop and, and, and put that under a mic. Nine hundred and eighty-one times two. people went in here. And, uh, thank you. Nine eighty-two people went in and doctored a grade. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and in fact, it explains in the report. Again, I thought that uh, Caff Regina Caffarella did a really good job because she explained. I'd love to see the whole report because I think it would, it would just really be useful. But she explains that you know Apex told her it's not like you just sort of make a typo. You have to deliberately go into a special part of the program, bring up that particular course for that particular student, and go through a series of steps, and then make the change and press save. Do you it's realize like this had to be process. more than a handful of teachers to have that many inputs, in my view? Well, no. Mostly it was being done by the administrators, and mostly it was being done in the last two years, mostly, but not exclusively, by Shadi Alvarez. So there was one day that in particular was really bad. That was June 21st, 2017, mm -hmm. where many, many, many changes took place. Many, many examples of opening and closing a course the same day, having zero time spent. It was June 21st. Graduation that year was June 22nd. So she sat down the day before graduation. She started punching in grades for courses that kids never took to get them credits so they could graduate. Okay. So that's really bad because those are all cases where mm -hmm. it looks like the kids didn't actually get proper credit. Right. And that was the kind of the topic with the original Apex. Mm -hmm. uh, 212 versus 982. Um, then there's another thing they measure, which is how many courses uh, did these particular kids complete. Yeah, that, that comes <coughs> to mind. 489. So if there's, if there's uh, it's it probably each kid is taking one to three courses the average is around two okay but that is deck chairs on the titanic i thought that that was the important number that's the number that jumps out at you but that's not the significance of what this report says what this report says is that the entire program from inception to termination did not meet state ed requirements None of the classes were valid. Now, did the None. state investigation conclude this as well? We don't know because the state never released a report. I've asked the district, I've asked BOCES, and I've asked the state. I've got FOILs pending with the state. It's been many, many, many months uh, waiting for an answer to this. Not, not even no, you can't have the report. Hello and welcome back to the Talk of the Sound podcast. This is Bob Cox, publisher of Talk of the Sound. I'm back with Bob Marone, host of the Mornings with Bob Marone show on Radio Westchester, where we were discussing the Apex credit recovery scandal at New Rochelle High School. You mentioned earlier that Ms. Alvarez was made the scapegoat. Uh, true enough, but boy, she is very involved in this if she's the one doing the input. But the question is, who requested the input be done? Continue, please. So I'll start off by reading uh, a couple of paragraphs from the article I published the other day. Mm -hmm. um, and then this will kind of set the stage. Um, so as I mentioned, deck tears on the, the foundational... I like the deck tears on. I like that line. The foundational failure Excuse of the me. entire program 
mm-hmm. makes previously reported efforts to manufacture or inflate grades and boost graduation rates look like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. As school administrators attempted to cheat on test scores for ineligible students improperly registered for invalid courses. I'll read that again. Cheating on test scores for ineligible students mm-hmm. improperly registered for invalid courses. It's everything. Not so the high school credit recovery program did not include, this is the, the district's own investigator, did not include required certified teacher involvement with students enrolled in Apex credit recovery course offerings during the period 2014 through 2018. And by the way, that means the complaints of the arts art teachers, mm-hmm. that there was a teacher who was not certified in art teaching that a is, class. That, that complaint is That's valid. sustained. Yeah. Now, that's, they don't say it, I don't see it in the report, but that's sustained Absolutely. because th- at the time, Apex said, no, there's no requirement that it has to be a certified teacher. Well, bollocks on that. That's not true. Okay. Bollocks, that's a British term. I like that. Go ahead. Well, I'm Irish. It's been the a approval process for student participation in the program was not compliant with commissioner's regulations. The decision to grant credit to students who completed just 65% of a course was deemed not consistent with commissioner's regulations. So think about that. Mm-hmm. They it, and it says it blames the cabinet. That's Brian Osborne, okay, at the time. Mm-hmm. They sat down and said, if a kid completes 65% of the course, not passes 65% of the material, just, just, just goes through 65, that's considered passing. That's Regardless absurd. Of, of course it's absurd. By that criteria, all the kids at the high school could leave now who wanted to and pass every course because... They're more They're than 65%, 65% through the school it's March, year. right? Among the other findings. How do I get that job? Uh, APEC Wait, Bob, we have to go. We, 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 oh no, we're not 65%, we're 65% through this interview yet. <laughs> I'd like to see the Yankees walk out of the stadium. Well, we're winning. <laughs> it's Six a sixth inning. inning. We're, we're out of here. We're out. Done. Um, Apex tests were not administered in a manner that preserved the security of tests or academic integrity. Students were enrolled in credit recovery courses without prior failed attempts at such coursework as required. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You're getting credit recovery. Like, oh, mm-hmm. since you did the course and you, know, you didn't get a passing grade, you didn't get credit, but we'll give you credit recovery. This is saying that the kids never even took the course. So it's not credit recovery. It's just giving kids credit for courses they never took. But we also find out that there's a bunch of other things that uh, they shouldn't have gotten credit at all. So... Uh, they had issues with students uh, Very enrolled in the same class sections as students from prior school years. Students enrolled in the same class sections as students from other houses, which shouldn't happen. Students were enrolled in the same course twice, which shouldn't happen. Students began coursework in one school year and completed the coursework the following year. In some cases, the courses change year to year, so you can't, it's, like it's apples and oranges. Um, there was incorrect information in the in the data as to who the teacher record was. If I take it two times, it, does that mean I failed the first or I just got credit twice? Well, you're jumping ahead. I'm going to give you that too. Oh, I'm on In what should have been a lar- large red flag, no failing grades or unsuccessful attempts were documented for any of the Apex credit Go back. Say that again. Nobody failed. No failing grades no unsuc- no, uh, or unsuccessful attempts documented for any Apex credit recovery courses offered. So in other words, once I went into Apex, I was home free. Whether I didn't take the course, whether I only sat there for 65% of the time, or if some administrator was nice to me. Well, yeah. And um, what they did instead was they just you know, designated the this classes. This does not help our kids one little bit. Well, like I said, um, it's not just that there's 281 students who got invalid credits that allowed them to graduate. Mm-hmm. 
It's actually that every credit in the program was invalid for four years. It's, it's really not about Shadi Alvarez. She was cheating on a system that was fundamentally cheating, mm-hmm. okay, because the kids were not actually learning what they were supposed to learn. Now, there may have been some original good intent. You could argue that maybe somebody got some bad advice when they first started the program. It mm-hmm. was used relatively lightly, okay, when it first started the first two years. You're talking a few dozen students. Somebody saw a, a, a hole and decided to drive a Mack truck through yeah. it. Okay, let, let, let's back up for, for we with tiny brains. Let's put ourselves, and not for the sake of, of making her a scapegoat, in, in, in Alvarez's shoes. Why, presumably, is she doing this? What kind of authority does she have? Is she working unilaterally? Well, we can go to her own statement. Yes. She made a statement at a subsequent board meeting after the board decided to fire. She showed up at two board meetings. Right. One of them, she showed up with her attorney. They Mm -hmm. said that they had documentation showed she was ordered to do this. By whom? By Reggie Richardson, the principal. She says that she was ordered. I didn't see the document. She said she was going to sue. Maybe we'll see the documents at some point. But she asserted publicly, and it's on tape, that she was simply doing what she was told by her boss her lawyer said she would have been uh, subject to discipline for insubordination if she didn't do what she was told. Now, right. I also think the idea that Reggie Richardson alone did this, um, and, wha- and, that, and what's interesting is, so there's very little in the report that I saw. Remember, it's 90% redacted. Uh, people can go see it for themselves. If you can see through black ink, let me know. Uh, I couldn't. I tried. I tried doing a lot of tricks I to, bet you did. to get it to open up, and I couldn't get it to open up. But um, So very few names are mentioned or even alluded to, not even by title. Okay, On the 65% uh, class completion thing, that's one of the few times that I saw that it actually referenced anybody. Because mm-hmm. it says, this was decided by the cabinet. Now the cabinet. That's the cabinet is the, the superintendent, superintendent and at all, right? And super, it's the superintendent and the assistant superintendents. So the cabinet is four or five people. Now the cabinet is not a high school principal or any other principal. It's not a department head. So it's not Chatty Alvarez. It's not Brian. I mean, it's, it's the not, highest. Well, the only so the people that would be in that cabinet meeting would have been the head of HR, Joe Williams, who's mm-hmm. no longer there. Jeff White, this business official, no, no longer, longer there. there. Neither of them have anything to do with curriculum. They don't do curriculum. That leaves Magda Parvey and Brian Osborne. Mm-hmm. Now, Magda Parvey, pleasant enough person, but not likely the person to be driving any activity for anything about anything. I mean, kind of a wallflower. Okay. Brian Osborne, on the other hand, very different. He was trying to lay the predicate for his next job. And one way to do that, I believe, is that he boost saw. Boost graduation rates. I'm going to boost. Not only am I going to boost graduation rates, but I'm going to also cause the achievement gap to close, meaning the graduation rates between black, white, and Hispanic will become uniform. And they largely did that. And we now know how. They faked it. And I think that that's a problem. And that's why I asked the U.S. Department of Justice to take a look at this because a lot of students were harmed. And there was direct benefits to people or an attempt to have direct benefits to people like Brian Osborne and Reggie Richardson. Shadi Alvarez was paid $5,000 a year to do this. 
which is a lot of money when you're being paid 120000 for your job. Begin with. Okay, and, and what are you being paid 5000 to do? Cheat. <laughs> okay, so uh, now, I, th I think that there, so I did ask the feds to take a look. And? Well, they don't tell you the answer. I just send it to them, like I've sent them Mauro Zanzini, mm -hmm. and I sent them John Gallagher, and mm -hmm. I sent the girl in the wheelchair, and they got convictions on all three. Mm -hmm. So to that extent, at least, I hope I have some measure of credibility with the U.S. Generally speaking, when you hand over a case like this to them, what is the time frame between your handing it over and them taking action, or at least you seeing that action? Well, the way I see an action is only if they right, bring if an, indictment. an indictment. Right, but uh, generally, what's the... Well, in the case yeah. of the wheelchair, it was very rapid turnaround. It was mm -hmm. within months. Uh, and uh, in the case of uh, Gallagher and Zanzini, it took years. So you just don't know. As they say, the wheels of justice grind slowly, right, but and they, they grind, grind slowly. But one of the things <laughs> that, never know. that I'm thinking about, you know, I, I, my favorite play, perhaps John Anouye's Beckett, there's the famous line, um, will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest and whether or not that's a directive. Do you think a man like Osborne, uh, if indeed uh, he was behind this or anyone in that position, do you think he says, geez, I wish the grades were better, or does he say, make this happen? When I, I'm, of course, you don't know that. But it's somewhere along the line, someone interprets it as that. Otherwise, this wouldn't happen. Or they get a direct order. But to take us to Everest to Chance, to use the old baseball analogy, you're going, in, if I heard you right, from Osborne to Parvey to this woman who testified. Well, Bob, the only way we're really going to know any of that is if these people are required to testify under oath. And that's where the law comes in. That's where the Department of Justice would come in. I will add that in the state records that I obtained, in January 2019, it says that the Westchester County District Attorney's Office mm -hmm. asked to be read into the investigation. Mm. So I don't know what they're doing. In the meantime, there was an investigation by the Orange County DA into Newburgh. I went up there. I went to their press conference. I met the DA. I met his staff, the mm -hmm. people who actually did the investigation. And I've talked to people in Newburgh. Um, they had a very similar situation. And from what I understand, there's been a number of other instances, you know, around the country with Apex and with other companies. There was a very famous case in Washington that NPR wrote about uh, and, and talked about on their air. They did it with a local media outlet. So there's been an and, and it doesn't have to be Apex. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a photocopier, you can use it to photocopy homework or the Unif right. Unabomber manifesto. I mean, take a pick. It's just a uh, copier. The Unabomber manifesto sounds a little more interesting. Well, but it, <laughs> it's a copier is a copier. The software is the software it can be used and abused or not um i don't like the fact that they weren't forthcoming with the data but um i don't know that that the software itself is the problem but i think that the software is not designed to prevent the kind of irregularities right so for example if there's an, an inordinate number of courses that are open and closed in the same day and that they're having zero time spent and you're having hundreds it's, and hundreds and hundreds. It's very easy to build in parameters in any system well, to kick out Well, somehow there has bomb. to be a way that that gets reported outside the food chain. I don't know how you do that, but they know. Yeah, they because know. they I mean, have the algorithm. They, they right. know that it's there's something. It's relatively easy to do. On Wall Street, mm -hmm. we used to put tolerances in every different a price change, a percentage of a price change beyond a certain point. Well, kicks. the SEC does it. Yeah. That's how they catch people doing inside yes. of training. They right. look for irregularities in the, the movement of the stocks. It's easy to do. So uh, Apex has this information. They know when people are probably cheating, or at least that, that it should be flagged for investigation. The problem is who do they take that to? I think maybe we need a law. I'll talk to Senator 
Schumer or Senator Gillibrand about this, but maybe uh, Elliot Engel, sure. that we, we need a law that says that these companies have to be licensed by the federal government and they have to report on certain parameters you when know, there's anomalies. Uh, one wonders, and uh, this, is, uh, this may be by outside the way, The federal the is appropriate because most of this is happening across state lines. It, well, uh, yes. Uh, the thing that occurs to me is one wonders if, if this is a process that is intended to be a workaround. You know, in other words, schools wanting to improve graduation rates, this is the way you do it, and you hide behind APEX. Well, you shouldn't be able to hide behind APEX. Yes. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Because the state requires that the teachers still teach the course. Right. So using APEX is not actually going to save you that kind of money because the big money in any school district is the personnel. Well, one of the notes I wrote so, here. So, by the way, so they got cost savings because they didn't have teachers actually doing well, this. Well, that was a note I wrote here. But you're not they allowed didn't to have do teachers that. teachers do it. So, right away, they, uh, they went around the system. They didn't have real certified teachers doing this. Well, I would say that they violated New York State regulations. That's not going around the system. That's actually working within the system and just cheating. And just cheating. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I think I, I was saying the same thing, perhaps not as eloquently. Where do you go from here with this? What are the next steps? Well, the first thing I want is some kind of statement from the school district about the fact of what this report said and I also want an explanation as to why they're withholding so much of the information from the public think about this they've known about all the stuff we just talked about for Since five October. months yeah. and have said nothing not even we got the report but we can't talk about it for whatever reason or we can't give a reason but what they've done instead is chosen absolute silence. But don't they, if, if, knowing you as I do and working with you over these years, don't they know that sooner or later you're going to come up with the unredacted report? Don't they realize that? You would think that they would. I'm gonna. Or they hope. <laughs> or they hoping that it'll. Just I generally do. That you move on to something else. Plus, well, you've got the state may come after them. The I've feds may come after them. The DA may come after them. I've been on this for two years, so I'm not going away. And anybody who knows me knows I'm like a dog with a bone. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to no keep kidding. banging away. Okay, as one school official said the other day inadvertently, oh, it's Cox being Cox. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I, I can't help being Cox because that's who I am. Yeah, and what I, that means is, is that I keep track of this stuff and I may put it away for a while. But eventually, I'm going to pull it back out. So if I didn't ask you the question Monday or Tuesday, I may ask you next month. I may ask you six months from now. And the other thing I will do is be very, very, very patient. That's why I say I expect at some point I'll ultimately get these documents. Mm -hmm. But um, I think what's going on here with the redactions and so forth is different. Okay, They got a new law firm, and they have totally changed their approach mm -hmm. to what they're providing under FOIL. So I mentioned that in this particular case they stonewalled me, but I'm going to have another article that highlights all the other Foils. I, I just got a fill for a foil a few days ago that I made seven months ago. A foil is supposed to be provided within that day, mm -hmm. or you have five days to request additional 20 days. Mm -hmm. So in theory, if I make a foil today, I get it today. If I foil the New Rochelle Police Department about a criminal matter, mm -hmm. I, get the, I usually get the report the same day, mm -hmm. okay, because they can do that. Um, if they can't, in five days, they within five days, they have to say, we need more time, we need 20 days. After 20 days, they can ask for more time, but they have to give a date certain when mm -hmm. they're going to produce the record. Mm -hmm. So you wait the 20 days, and they say, well, we're going to get it to you by April 15th. They're not doing that either. So they're just dragging it on, and it's, it's, it's most of my FOIL requests now. So I don't know what's exactly going on here, but I just know that I give them to the person who's new, 
Assistant Superintendent Greg Kern. Um, some of my initial requests I actually got fairly quickly when he first started, but they have that's ground to a halt. And then when I do get the documents, like uh, the invoices, they're like redacted beyond absurdity redacted. Mm -hmm. And I and I'll give you a case in point to preview an article I have coming, which is going to be part of my appeal. So there's a section in the report that says, so what what was this lawyer hired to do? So there's an engagement letter when they first hired this person, mm -hmm. right, back in early 2019. I, I foil for that, right? And in the original investigation, TNM, I got the whole document. This, it said scope of representation, blank. So it's like, you're not going to even tell me why this person was hired. So I appealed that. Okay, I also appealed the blacked out invoices. Back in February, the superintendent came back and said, I'm granting your appeal in part. We're going to underdact the scope of rep representation part. Mm -hmm. So I got a copy of that document. And? It said that the lawyer has been hired to do some things that the board will decide to do. It's <laughs> like an open retainer. The blank check. There's no, yeah. there's no deadline on anything. It means that they've now opened up an account with a law firm mm -hmm. outside of their other law firm that they can point at whatever they want at any time as like a loaded gun. So I have an issue with that. Um, it doesn't seem to be protecting the interests of the taxpayer. In Apex 1, so remember, the G Regina Caffarella from Spencer, who did these current reports, she did Apex 1 and Apex 2. That was her name for them. Um, and then there was the original report, which mm -hmm. now I'm calling Apex 2018. That was TNM. So 2018, and then there's 1 and 2. So the engagement letter doesn't say what this is about. The uh, invoices... Just say things at the top like Apex 1 or Apex 2, but not what it's about. Um, the Apex 1 report has the section about what she was tasked to do blacked out. I don't even can't imagine why. You, you can't tell us what you were asked to look at. That's different than like naming somebody mm -hmm. who did something wrong. Mm -hmm. The other uh, document, Apex 2, does actually say what she was tasked to do. It's in my article. Okay, So she was. it says three things. The third one was to review the new system uh they created a new protocol uh to clean up what had happened this was last year uh they got a new software company is this one or two by the way which which phase is this now i don't know what you mean you had you had 2018 then one no and no two. this is the report i just got the other okay, day okay got in it. the apex two report it says that one of the three things she was tasked to do was to look at the new program mm -hmm. so that's all blacked out so I, I've written this up. It's going to be part of my appeal. I said, you've blacked out the section about what the new protocols are in light of what happened with Apex. You blacked it out. The problem with that is I already foiled for that separately months ago, and I was given the entire unredacted document about the new program with the new software company, mm -hmm which, by the way, is publicly available at the high school to any student, any teacher, and any parent who wants to put their kids into one of these programs. So it's a public record. And yet in this document I got, that section is completely blacked out. Now, the fact that there's that and other examples where even though I only have a limited amount of information, I think I can make a pretty compelling argument that this, this, and this shouldn't be redacted. I'm mm -hmm. trying to get up to six different examples. That should be more than enough to make the point that this document was improperly redacted. And I want to then ask them to fix it, but I don't trust them at this point, nor I don't see any reason I should. 
Um, so uh, in this particular case, I propose the idea that I'm going to do something I've never done in 12 years. I'm Which going is? to attempt to raise money because it's expensive um, to start uh, filing uh, cases in New York State Supreme Court against the district for improperly redacting them. One of the things that I can push for is to have these documents reviewed by a judge in camera to make a determination as to whether or not they were properly redacted or not. My expectation, based on what I've seen so far and mm -hmm. the past practices I have, I can make a pretty compelling case that they are over-redacting significantly. Just, just a sense. At the very beginning of this interview, I got the feeling that this stuff was redacted beyond what is reasonable. But mm -hmm. that's just as a common sense sensibility about it. So, but raising money, how much will that cost? It will help you push well, that. Well, I mean, it's, so it's $200 to file, and then there's some legal work that needs to be done. The problem isn't the $200. The problem is I might have, uh, currently I have, I'm going to read you the numbers because I wrote them up for somebody else just mm -hmm. the other day. I have it right here in front of me. See if I can find it here. Yeah. So right now I have a dozen pending FOIL requests with the district. I've got two appeals to the head of agency, four fills of FOIL requests that are basically painted black. Mm -hmm. uh, 18 by $200 every month or two gets really expensive real fast. It's thousands of dollars. I also have two pending with SED that I had there for months, 15 months, and I have another one with the U.S. Department of Education that's six years old. So um, if I'm going to go down this road, I need to do something like set up a GoFundMe page and let the right, public, if they should. want to, find it because I can't afford to, to right. do all this. And it's not just doing the one, right? You have to have the credible threat that I'm going to do every single one from now on mm -hmm. until they stop doing it. Okay, so I have to be prepared to go down that path, but I'm prepared. I'm I'm willing to do it. I just uh, don't don't want to do it, but I will. There's a there's a gut again. I, I'm reacting as a pundit, and there's a gut feeling here that not only does this school district, but perhaps others, but in fact likely others, they want the means to be able to push people through the system to keep their numbers up, and they want to preserve that. That's the sense of whether it's well, or any every other way. every uh, high school principal, every superintendent is going to be judged based on a number of factors, and then one of the biggest ones is going to be the graduation rate. Yes. Okay. The problem with what Brian Osborne did, and other people have done before, <coughs> mm -hmm. and what Dr. Fayhu has already done here, is they announced publicly that their goal was to increase the graduation rate. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous because you have no control over the graduation rate. Students take courses. They show up. They don't show up. They study. They don't say. You don't control that. You can say that we are going to offer tutoring to every student who wants it, that uh, we are going to um, provide certain mechanisms of support to any student that wants it. We can talk about that we're going to do an assessment of all students before they uh, enter the high school to see if there's areas of deficiency uh, to make sure that they are prepared to graduate. We're going mm -hmm. you can those things you can do. Those can be goals. We're going to put more money into this because they right. can they can control the budget. We can have more teachers doing this. We can those are things you can control. You cannot control the weather. You cannot control the graduation rate. So to make it a goal that every day is going to be like today, right? Sixty five and sunny. You can't do it. Tomorrow but it's going to rain. Can you set it as an objective? No. Hoping, well, hoping no. that. No. No. You know where I'm going no. with this. No. You cannot. But, but hoping that these tutors <laughs> no. and everything else and no. better discipline. No. That wouldn't increase the graduation rate. Bob, 
You can't increase the graduation I've rate. I've got to ask these questions. You can't increase the benefit the, of the listeners. Tell me. Okay. You can't increase the graduation rate because you say so. There's things you can do. I'm going to give you a, a related example that I think many people can relate to, including myself. Well, okay. There you go. Um, people say, uh, I want to lose weight. So I set a goal and I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. You can't actually lose 20 pounds unless you want to chop your arm off. <laughs> okay. You can... Uh, drink more hour. water, you can get eight hours of sleep, uh, you can eat more fruit, you can walk 30 minutes a day, mm -hmm. okay? Those are things you can do. Right. The result of that, more likely than not, will be that you will lose weight. Right. But it's the, the habits, the activities that you do. Of course. That lead to mm -hmm. some outcome that you want. So if you sit around and say, you know, I want to do things like lose weight or increase the graduation rate, you're going to be sadly disappointed because it's not as simple as just wanting it to be true. Well, of course, but, but, but isn't that an issue of language as well? For example, I can say it is my objective to lose weight by doing A, B, C, D. Well, you D. can say objective or goal. It's the same thing. Right. Well, no, to say I'm going to, uh, that, that assumes you, you can just make it happen. Okay. You can say whatever you want. So if you want to say, I have a goal, or I have an objective, or I have an mm -hmm. aspiration, or whatever it is, to lose, to lose to, it's all the same word, Bob. It's all saying, I want to lose 20 pounds. Right. What's that, what's that get you? Does that, is that going to do anything for you? Not unless you do those other steps. Okay, so then that, but you can't control graduation I, rate. I thoroughly understand so what you're saying, Bob. But, but you but can't that, say, I'm going to do this, 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 and this with that goal. I think it's, it's a fool's mission. But you can say it. Well, I'm agreeing that you can say stupid yeah. stuff if you want to. I okay. do it every day. Okay. Well, I don't mean you, but I mean generally anybody. <laughs> no, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to say that anybody who said that they sat, set, set out to say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, and then, you know, popped uh, some microwave popcorn and, and sat down and watched uh, a TV, binge-watched uh, some show on Netflix, you're that. probably not going to lose no. that much weight. But if you tell me that you're going to change your breakfast so that you're not eating uh, a Danish and a bacon egg cheese sandwich every morning and instead you're going to have a bowl of oatmeal, make that change, okay? If you say that instead of uh, driving to work, I'm going to walk to work if you can or walk some distance. Well, but isn't it the same as saying I want to put a man on the moon by 1969? You, you know, you have to do this, 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 and this to do it. Uh, I wouldn't say that relates to the same thing at all. Um, well, objective setting is this, this is planning dynamic. Well, Bob, the objective setting that we've had in this district has been things like we want to increase the graduation rate, we want to close the achievement gap, we want to re reduce or eliminate bullying. And what do they do? They just make it up. And well, say, that's the essence and of say, this conversation. And say we did it. That's it for today's episode. We put a link to the story in the show notes in the podcast. You can always check there for links mentioned in the show and any other tidbits from the episode. Remember, you can subscribe to the Talk of the Sound podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and with any of your favorite podcast apps via RSS. Complete details on talkofthesound.com under podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Talk of the Sound, on our Talk of the Sound Facebook page, or visit our website at talkofthesound.com, where you can bookmark our homepage or register for our daily email blast. Thanks for listening.